Latino Stories, Historias Latinas, es un podcast que nace del proyecto de narrativas orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio, con entrevistas en español, inglés, and Spanglish. Welcome to Latina and Latino Stories. I'm Elena Fowles. My guest today in the studio is Chris Leiva. Leiva uses humor and whimsy to ask larger questions about our humanity. His plays take place in heightened worlds and are grounded by authentic characters. He is a playwright and director based in Columbus, Ohio. As a frequent collaborator and educator with the Contemporary American Theater Company, also known as CATCO, Climb Theater, Hicks and Dance, and Mad Lab Theater, he is happiest when uncovering the potential in a project or a person. Leiva received his MFA from the Playwrights Workshop at the University of Iowa, a BA in Directing from Coe College, and is a member of the Dramatist Guild. Bienvenido a este episodio, Chris. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I know that uh, you grew up in New Mexico. I did. I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I loved life in Albuquerque. I miss Albuquerque a lot. Uh, and then I went to college in Iowa, of all places, for mm -hmm. me. It was really unexpected. Uh, I went to a small liberal arts college, co-college, mm -hmm. and it confuses everyone by the name. They're like, what does it stand for? <laughs> right. What is COE? It's, like, it's just co. That's co all it is. That's it. <laughs> uh, and I went there. Uh, and then I got my master's at the University of Iowa because at that time, Iowa really felt like home. Mm -hmm. um, in 2006, when I graduated, my wife started graduate school here in Columbus, Ohio, at, at the Ohio State University. Mm -hmm. um, and we've kind of forgot to leave, in, in a sense. <laughs> like, yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. We, we hadn't planned on making our home in Columbus, mm -hmm. but when we had our son nine years ago, we, we were driving to I Iowa to visit her family, mm -hmm. and we just said, we looked at each other and said, this doesn't feel the same. This doesn't feel like home anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. our son is going to be from Ohio. Mm -hmm. Like, and then we, then we laughed, like, no, no, no. He's going to be from Columbus. Like, <laughs> our son is going to be from Columbus. Right. He's going to be a native Ohioan. Mm -hmm. and, uh, mm -hmm. But we, we've been enjoying our, our home here for past almost 16 years. Right, right. Uh, did you always want to study theater? Um, are, are there are other artists in your family where, that led you to this path? Sure. Uh, I think theater has always been something that I was interested in, in a at first, a very secondary way. My mother uh, wrote poetry and sang songs all the time. Uh, she was very artistic. She took me to a lot of concerts, to the symphony, uh, to go see plays and musicals on stage. And I don't think she was encouraging anything, but it was just something that was part of the fabric of my life at home. Mm -hmm. So a lot of singing, a lot of wordplay, Um, so a lot of the same jokes that I make would be ones that she would catch on because when certain words hit your ear, you think of, oh, let me switch the meaning on this and flip it and mm -hmm. back at this other person. Mm -hmm. So it was just a lot of fun uh, like that. And then 
in high school is when I started getting really involved in theater. Mm -hmm. uh, growing up, I really thought that I was going to have one of three jobs. I, I was either going to be a doctor, a priest, or a Disney animator. It was going to... It was going to be one of those three things is what the plan was when I was like five. Very different. Very, yeah, three. In some ways, they're very different. In some ways, uh, they're, they're very similar. Uh, they're, all, they're all about healing and That's imagination. True. That's true. And, uh, and I, I try to have my theater work give life mm -hmm. in, in all those ways. Mm -hmm. But um, it wasn't until high school that I, I tried out for a play and got a role, and then I was pretty hooked um junior year of high school uh, my parents took me on a trip to visit uh california institute of the arts mm -hmm. because i thought at that time i was still going for becoming a disney animator and mm -hmm. we visited and i thought this place is really cool this place feels really awesome and then you know, they, they said, those are all the animators, and I couldn't see anybody. I couldn't see any faces. Mm -hmm. I just saw desks and pe heard the sounds of people working. Mm -hmm. uh, I was like, okay, that's that's a little intense. <laughs> and then they continued the tour, and we ended up at the Roy E. Disney Theater. And they opened it up, and it's this black space with, like, nothing in it. And I, I walked into that space, and they said, eat the floor is hydraulic in sections so they could build a set out of the floor of the theater mm -hmm. and just move the actual floor up and down in different ways and my brain just fired mm. and i and that, that was that moment i said well if i'm more excited about this empty room then there's probably something something here mm -hmm, <laughs> if, if that's mm -hmm. the thing that excites right. me right. so at that point i completely shifted and started thinking about doing theater mm -hmm. funny that you i mean you grew up in new mexico and i and i i don't know why but i have this uh, uh association with new mexico and the arts maybe because i also studied a couple of writers that were from there and i think of theater like a um, strong theater uh, life there and definitely poetry mm. um so i and then what you're sharing also you know sort of adds to that so i don't know if that's if if you think that new mexico in particular is is a is a region where this is sort of built into the 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 region the character the yeah. people i feel like there there may be something to that i i feel like it's an area where there are a lot of crafts people mm -hmm. right, um right. and the much like the theater it is it is open it is it is a space and mm -hmm. um there's nothing to to my eye uh, i haven't seen anything as beautiful as sunset in albuquerque mm -hmm. new mexico mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh that to me just uh hits me in a different way mm -hmm. so when we when the sandia mountains mm -hmm. um right. turn pink at, on sunset because, uh -huh. which is where they get their name, uh, I just, I feel, I'm filled with life. And right. I think uh, it's just a very inspiring place. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And it's also uh, a slower tempo, and this could be my own personal um, experience with it, 
but it feels like a, a slower tempo than most places that I've gone. I mean, mm-hmm. in that sense, it feels very much like Cedar Rapids, Iowa, when I was there, mm-hmm. um, which is just things move a little slower. People don't have aren't rushing to get things. They could take their time with things. Mm-hmm. Um, but the arts, especially in Santa Fe, Santa Fe is like a city that just celebrates mm-hmm. the arts right. uh, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember seeing Summer Shakespeare in uh, in Santa Fe. Never a full show because it would always rain because summer <laughs> in Mexico is always rain in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I never saw a full show. Uh, but then also the uh, the opera, the Santa Fe Opera, being mm-hmm. outside. So part of the scenery is the actual night sky, and mm-hmm. the sky is just bigger because it's flat area, and it's it's just a overwhelming, gorgeous place. And I I feel like some of that has to do with some of the environment mm-hmm. has a lot to do with art just being able to be made, right? And right. and also uh, tradition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. You direct theater performances and are also a playwright. Tell me about some of the plays you've written. Is there a particular uh, type of play you like to write? Um, if you had asked me five or six years ago, I would have had a slightly different answer. Uh, I would say that I wrote dark comedies. Um, and But the thing that hasn't changed is I really concentrate on my characters. So when I write a play, for me, until I figure out what the characters are dealing with in their lives and working through, I really don't know what the play is until I know what the questions that they're facing are. Mm -hmm. And for me now, uh, it's really writing toward the questions. And when one character's set of questions collide with another character's set of questions, that's where the play really starts to happen. And uh, I, I really enjoy theatricality, which I get from, as I was saying, I, I wanted to be a Disney animator for so long. <laughs> I steal from animation, which is, I'm going to show the internal uh, inter- internal workings of these characters, the the their intellect, I'm going to show their emotion, and I'm going to do it in a way that breaks the normal world. I'll, I'll make their world a little heightened. Um, mm-hmm. I'll give a, a small example. Uh, in a play that I wrote years ago, it's called All Grace, and it's based on a true story of a Catholic church in the Alps mm-hmm. where a priest is filling it with modern art from modern artists, and many of these artists aren't even believers. And He's fighting to get this church built, mm-hmm. uh, fighting with the Pope and other people who say that modern art is not art. And he said, well, artists have a connection to the spiritual world better than people who are believers and are terrible pe- terrible artists. Mm-hmm. It's like, I would rather have, what is the line he says? I would rather have um, a, an artist without belief than a believer without talent is what he says um and he in through the course of the play the other story that's happening is uh, a sculptor named jacques lipschitz who is jewish 
and is asked to create a, a sculpture of the Virgin Mary. Mm. So it's him trying to figure out how do I create this piece that's not of my religion? What is this like for me? So I read uh, a lot of his journals and I, I read a mm. lot of his autobiography. And in the play, both the priest, um, Father Couturier, and Jacques Lipschitz meet Virgin Mary uh, at different points in her life and are represented, and she represents the art that they're making. So mm -hmm. one represents the church and one represents the, the sculpture. And so they have these arguments with their artwork, essentially, mm -hmm. about what it means to be an artist and what, what they're really doing. And, you know, can I still call myself a Jew if I create this mm -hmm. artwork? Mm -hmm. So it, it's an honest, uh, honest struggle for these characters, but it's done in a heightened poetic way. Mm -hmm. um, somebody that uh, I was collaborating with at this time didn't end up uh, going anywhere, but um, the person I was collaborating with, they said, as I explained the play to them, they're like, well, what's with you Latinos and magical realism? <laughs> at, at the time, I was just really offended. And now I'm like, well, that's how I tell my stories. That's mm -hmm. So animation is magic realism, and I, that's why I've enjoyed it, and that's why it felt part of my culture, and that's why it feels fine, and that's why all of this works, because right. it's part of the tradition. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in one of my latest plays, um, one character has two personas, so the the one that they show to the world and one that they have for themselves. So it's two diff two separate characters, mm. even though it's one character. It's mm -hmm. here the the two sides of themselves fighting, and this that's what the play is about. And theater, you can do that. Mm -hmm. You can mm -hmm. you can break somebody apart and argue with themselves and. You can have somebody come in. Uh, I, I had one play where it's just really a, a ridiculous world. Like, here's a dinosaur. Let's have the, a dinosaur come in just because I think that's that's what could happen. <laughs> uh, it, it just allows for that heightened world. But mm -hmm. I, I really do enjoy real characters. I mm -hmm. don't. I don't like characters that exist just for a joke i want them actually going through something and i think that's what grounds my plays mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. is the character great chris uh so right now you're directing the play luchadora by alvaro rios why did you choose to direct this and what do you like about the story yeah i there's some choice and some <laughs> not choice um when i, I was approached by uh, Lita Hoffman, the artistic director of mm -hmm. CatCo, um, who had chosen this play and said, would you want to direct this? Um, and she let me read a couple of different plays and said, would you be interested? We'd, we'd like to have you direct this one. And um, it took a couple of, took about two or three readings before mm -hmm. I said, yes. Um, I think the first reading was, what is this play? Mm -hmm. uh, the second reading is what's involved, mm -hmm. <laughs> what's in here, really. And, and the third one was really what are the personal things that I can find in here. And for me, it was, it's scary because it's a, a play about 
a young girl who saves her father by wrestling in his place mm-hmm. um, in Lucha Libre. And I knew very little about Lucha Libre. <laughs> uh, I, I knew there were multiple scenes of wrestling that, mm-hmm. that would happen. But I felt more excited by the story than I was scared of doing the work. Yeah. And so I, I, that's why I said yes. Uh, for me, what really hits uh, is the migrant worker story, mm-hmm. to, be, to be perfectly frank. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my grandmother was a migrant worker. Mm-hmm. And so thinking through that, I mean, that, that gave me a nice uh, personal connection to it. So right. whenever I hear those speeches, I, I think of my family and I think mm-hmm. of my grandmother and it, it offers me a connection that I didn't quite have because like in the play, it's not discussed until later. It's something that my grandma didn't really talk about because mm-hmm. that wasn't the life. You know, I, the grandma that I knew was making the one who made dinner and who watched her stories, you mm-hmm. know. I watch Guiding Light, like that's that's my grandma. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't really until later in her life that I that people s- told stories about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at her funeral, people telling stories about um, being in the fields mm. and carrying bags of cotton and carrying her kids on the bag of cotton so they could rest. Mm-hmm. But she would c- carry the the bag that she was picking and and mm-hmm. doing everything, uh, and just the strength and power. And so when I thought about my grandma, uh, I said, I think my grandma would would enjoy this play, and mm-hmm. I think that's part of why I said yes to it. Yeah, I also um, like since now, and we'll talk a little bit more about this. Yeah, <laughs> sure. But now that I, you know that I've read the the whole play a couple times. Um, I also like the setting. For me, mm. um, you know, there's a long history of migration of Latinx peoples from other areas of the U.S. to come up to areas like Ohio, Michigan, you know, Illinois to, to do uh, agricultural work. Mm. And then a lot of people don't realize that, you know, that there is this strong history, like a hundred year plus history of people coming and going, um, some who had, you know, chosen to stay, but um, but there's also that connection with Texas, for example, yes. right? And that and, and the play speaks of that. Um, so um, so yeah, so there's there's all this and and now, right? Like you and I forgot to leave Ohio, so we're here, <laughs> we're here. in Ohio. <laughs> um, that's part of our story too, you know, like staying in the Midwest and what is it that. Um, that makes us continue or like uh, hold our our identities as Latinos in a place like this, right? What what is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it, I mean the the play the modern day part of the play takes place in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. which I mean that's you know as midwest midwest of a ten pole as you could possibly right. grab, uh, but I think. Yeah, there is that question of how do I express my my Latino self mm-hmm. <laughs> here um, in this space, and when what opportunities do I have to explore it? Right. The um, 
the the thing about living in Albuquerque, New Mexico, when I, when I lived there, um, I never had to think about, um, in some ways, I didn't have to think about my Latinx right. heritage because mm-hmm. it was just around. Mm-hmm. It was just uh, around me. Um, now, there were some members of my family that were uh, down on me a little bit because I didn't speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, but there were people that I went to high school with, uh, mostly Latinx at my Catholic high school, mm-hmm. and many of them we were all in the same Spanish classes for mm-hmm. high school, mm-hmm. and some of them have had work worse accents than some of the, you know, Caucasian students. So it, it's it's just this when when you're there. There's no question that that you're Latinx, mm-hmm. you, and you don't have to defend it in in certain ways. Mm-hmm. So I could be my Disney movie loving <laughs> self down there, um, but here, uh, when you are, when I went to co college, mm-hmm. uh, I was, I feel like one of three mm-hmm. in in a school of twelve hundred students, mm-hmm. uh, Latinx students. It, I think it's gotten better um, mm-hmm. since since then, but you're you're suddenly held to this standard. Like you represent mm-hmm. Latinx people to the group around you. I'm like I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> right. I don't. Right. I don't want to represent uh-huh. all of Latinx culture because it's it's wide and varied, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, my experience is not. The same as my dad experience, which mm-hmm. is not the same as my grandma's experience. Right. Um, right. There was one time where I went to New York um, for a grad school audition, and we were asked to go around and talk about our heritage and our culture. Um, and I said, I'm, I'm Latino, but I, I don't want to be defined by that. I want to be defined by my work and what I'm able to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And then three people later, somebody else said, I'm Latino, and they turned to me angrily. They said, and I do define myself by it. And they said, (laughs) my grandmother was a migrant worker, and this, and he cried and said this monologue uh, about her experience and how hard it is. And I was just struck that my point was missed on, I don't want to be marked as other Mm-hmm. Like I will hold my my heritage and be proud of it and what my family accomplished, mm-hmm. but I don't want to be in a subset of directors and playwrights as Latinx mm-hmm. Latinx playwrights when when other people get to be playwrights. Just playwrights, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Or it is. I mean, I I I hear what you're saying. It is complicated, mm-hmm. right? Because you do want to represent, like you want to yes. be part of that number of Latino you know, directors and playwrights and, and you do want to, because, you know, when you have that, that spot or that uh, opportunity, you want to encourage other Latinx and, you know, Latino playwrights, et cetera, to come along, to see themselves in, mm. in, in the work that you do. Right. Uh, but then there's this other part there, like, but I, I'm also just a director, just a playwright, right? Right. Um, so yeah, it is. Um, 
it, it, it I can see both, right? Um, and that's I think that's in every and like we think of women, um, women leaders, and why can't exactly. it just be leaders and not women leaders? Right. But at the same time, it's like well, it's important also to like say you know I'm a Latina woman leader because maybe there's a younger generation that might be inspired or might be like thinking of herself as, oh, that can be me, right? Right, um, right. So yeah, so there's a balance and there is this two, I think, um, ways of thinking or when 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 the opportunity comes, I think we, we have that sort of choice of like fully embracing mm-hmm. um, that and then in some other areas, it's like, well, I'm just, I'm just, this yeah right. <laughs> you know, no labels just this <laughs> just this and i think yeah. i think representation is absolutely important i feel like now that i mean there there are so many i mean if i just stick to animation which there there's so many more representations mm-hmm. of latinx culture i mean and not just from like coco and encanto but mm-hmm. like on on small shows um right one of the most popular shows on Disney Plus, you know, The Mandalorian has a Latinx, you know, mm-hmm. lead. Mm-hmm. So there's not a question that that there's representation out there now and it feels really exciting and it it could have been that all, you know, 20 years ago that we I had to be a, a Latinx director mm-hmm. and and lean into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that my plays when I was writing plays uh, right at the start of grad school, they were more about the Latinx, uh, my Latinx heritage and my mm-hmm. family, because I was trying to emulate what other people were doing. Mm-hmm. I was trying to emulate serious playwright. Um, and so my plays were like, were family plays and, you know, drama and, once I got out of of graduate school, trying to find, okay, well, how do I, how do I do this? How do I mm-hmm. express my questions, but also express my heritage, but also, and so it, it's been really difficult. Right, right, because you have to, you should have the freedom to create whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Not just like Latinx stories or not. Right. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I can definitely see that. Uh, Chris, what do you feel is the impact of bringing a Latinx centered story here to Ohio, Columbus specifically? Yeah. Because uh, since I've been here, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like this is the first Latinx play that has been, you know, in the area. I know that, um, Cleveland has a growing um, Latino theater uh, scene, even in the last, you know, five to 10 years that's been growing. But Columbus hasn't seen that. Yeah, I haven't. I've seen a lot of theater uh, in Columbus, and I can't say um, how, I can't think of anything where it's been a specific uh, Latinx playwright Mm -hmm. that's been done here. Mm Um, I mean, if you count Hamilton uh, coming, <laughs> I, I suppose, but right. still, um, I don't feel like that's a, a Latinx story right. here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's a little bit different. Uh, but also, 
it's difficult because I don't know how people are cultivating the the actors. Uh, that was the thing that we were most scared of because mm-hmm. there are only a few Latinx actors that I know of mm-hmm. um, in town. And I know that there are probably people out there who want to be getting involved, mm-hmm. um, but they may not have seen themselves in the stories or in the characters and know that, hey, that's something that I can get involved with. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're a little bit greener in their experience, but uh, they have that desire to do something. Mm-hmm. They just haven't seen that opportunity or have been invited mm-hmm. to, to the right. table. They, there, are, uh, there are a lot of, I don't want to say walls, but there are a lot of things that get in the way of uh, getting in on stage. So it's like, well, you have to have a resume, you have to have experience, mm-hmm. you have to have a headshot, you have to have these things. And if you don't have those things, then you can't come to audition. And if you don't, if right. you're not good at audition, you can't get in the play. Uh, but so, I mean, hopefully, if people come to see this, it's it's one large hour long or eighty minute long mm-hmm. um, invitation mm-hmm. to to people to say, "Look, you can be here. You could be on this stage. Your story could be told." Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that it has ripple ripple effects. So we'll see those playwrights, and if even if they're not here at Columbus, mm-hmm. uh, if they start to generate their stories and they start to write them down and they start to explore and then they go to college somewhere else and then their stories blossom there right that's that's a success and we may not be able to see that direct line from watching luchadora <laughs> but i feel like if i had seen something like luchadora when i was eight or nine mm-hmm. it probably would have blown my mind in a lot of different ways mm-hmm. um and in a lot of ways when i'm directing i'm directing for that eight-year-old chris leva to mm-hmm. to enjoy that and i'm hoping that it does invite people to to try to come to like the the student camps the adult acting classes mm-hmm. to get people that we haven't generally seen on stage. So when you say some people are greener, I feel like you were looking directly at me. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't meaning to, but maybe I was subconsciously. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit about the play and the and the cast that you're working with, including me, um, that, um, you know, we come uh, with different <clears throat> ages, uh, experiences, certainly, I'm probably the oldest one in the cast and the one with the least experience. And then you have kids that are like 10, 13, and they have like, this is their fourth or fifth show, right? Yes. Um, and uh, and also just, you know, working the, the differences between working with um, young people and then adults in the play. Tell me a little bit about this mix. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really lovely. I really... I'm enjoying, and not, I'm not saying that just because you're in the cast. But <laughs> I'm really, I'm really enjoying this group of people that we were able to put together and find. I feel, I feel very, very 
uh, grateful and lucky. Um, I don't look at it as an experience thing. Um, when I, the only thing that changes with experience is, do you know the language? Is there a shorthand mm -hmm. that we could have? So if I tell someone who's been on a lot of shows and I say, and then you counter, they know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But someone who is a little greener will not know <laughs> what do you mean by counter right. and it'll say when when she moves over here you turn and you move the other way and take their place mm -hmm. okay when somebody else i say when she crosses you counter mm -hmm. it's it's so i feel like it's a it's a language thing it's a it's a terminology right. <laughs> uh, we share it we share a shorthand um but when when we were casting I look for, I can't speak for every director, but I can speak for me. Mm -hmm. I look for two things. So, and generally I have everybody do, if they have a monologue, if they do a scene, I ask them to do it two, two times. Mm -hmm. And the reason is the first time I want to see that you make a choice. Mm -hmm. Did you read, did you read it? Mm -hmm. Did you understand it? Did you make a decision about the way that you want to do it? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is yes, cool. I, I kind of mark that checkbox off in my mind. Mm -hmm. And then I ask some questions and I offer some suggestions. And sometimes I say something a little bit weird just to see if they will go with me on it. And then I look for the change. And if they can make a change, then they're pretty much in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like that's... Mm -hmm. They're, they're on the list uh, of people. So if you make a choice and then you make a change that's interesting and that's beyond the choice that you made, then I can say, I can work with that. They're willing to make a change. They're willing to adapt. And I think everyone in the cast fits that. Um, even the people like uh, Victoria, which was, She's a wonderful find. She's never been in a show before. Mm -hmm. This is her very first show. Mm -hmm. And so she's doing great. <laughs> she's doing wonderful. Right. Um, and I remember her audition and I it was uh there's a scene where all the kids come in and they see the all these lucha libre masks from the store and they're just like, Wow, well, this is amazing. And she did it and I was like, Okay, that's cool. I said, Victoria, what excites you? Like what's, if you walked into a store, what would be the most exciting thing for you? And she said, nail polish. Like, <laughs> and I was like, great. So when you say these lines, Huracan Ramirez, uh, Blue Demon, these are shades of nail polish. And you're like, you're looking at them and they're like the most amazing nail polish you've ever seen. <laughs> and she came in and it was like, <gasps> look at me like it was it, it was just a, a amazing change and i said right. she's on the <laughs> she's on my list <laughs> she right. made it like um so it's it's reacting to people where they are mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. getting to know them a little bit more and seeing what they can understand um i'm i'm not trying to mine their personal experiences for what are the what are the pain and trauma that you've experienced so i could make <laughs> you cry on Right. But is there something that you could relate to? Mm -hmm. Is there something that you can understand this from? And use that understanding. It's This is like this. So it's a lot of metaphor and on a lot of analogy. And it, it, I don't, it doesn't matter if I'm talking to uh, 
um, an eight-year-old or somebody in their 40s or mm -hmm. 50s. Mm -hmm. I feel like I speak the same way. And I don't know if you've noticed that, but yeah. I don't I don't dumb down things for the kids. Mm -hmm. I ask the same type of questions. I may change my vocabulary slightly, mm -hmm. um, but for me, it's the same mission with wh whomever it is. Mm -hmm. And it's done with a hopefully friendly and encouraging uh, manner because acting, what you're asking people to do is be vulnerable mm -hmm. and then you're asking them to be confident at the same time. <laughs> so it's like have this vulnerable confidence <laughs> and I feel like, which are, it's, oh it, it yeah. feels like an oxymoron, <laughs> but that's, that's what you're cultivating. And mm -hmm. I, the only way to get to real emotion for me is to open up that vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And the only way people will be vulnerable is if you, if they feel safe, safe enough to do that. Mm -hmm. And they don't feel safe enough until you open up and hopefully you're vulnerable yourself. And hopefully you're just creating a welcoming space for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, th those are the tools that I use no matter what age to try to create something. Right. Um, I, um, I mean, everybody should go see the show, of course. <laughs> uh, and I do like, and without giving away like too ma too much thing, you know, too many things about, too many details about the play. I do another thing that I really enjoy of the story is the fact that we have multiple languages, right? Mm -hmm. And this sort of contacts with other cultures and is not a single story. You're telling multiple stories of people that live together, that grow up together, um, the languages that they use, they they know each other's languages, you know, even if it's just like a sentence or a word here and there, they're in constant uh, contact with, with different cultures and different languages and different, you know, ways of um, uh, family relations and growing up. And then there are some similarities, right? Because it is about girl empowerment, right? And yes. how... Um, it, but it's not just this, um, it's not just told within the framework of the Latino culture as, you know, wanting girls to only, you know, serve these roles, but we have this other characters from a different cultural tradition and heritage that are also facing those challenges, mm -hmm. right? And I really like that, right? Because, um, for many, I mean, I, I think as a, as a professor, because I, I am teaching this play next year <laughs> in one of my classes, <laughs> but to think about, you know, um, how our stories are always told or are always mm, richer because we have people from different backgrounds and experiences that we interact with and in our regular basis whether uh, um, whether we know it or not right mm. I think this kids growing up at, at this time they don't they didn't always think oh this person is from this you know country or they you know they just kind of like oh okay you know this is this is us this is you know uh, my friend or whatever Um and I really like that too. You know, I like I like even though I'm paralyzed by, and I'm glad that we only that I don't have to actually sing in <laughs> another language. <laughs> sure. um, I think it's beautiful that mm. 
the kids are very familiar with each other's melodies, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes it even more uh, rich for me. The story is even more rich. Uh, Chris, is there anything else that you are working on uh, currently? Are you are you writing or what um, what future, you know, uh, plays or or news do you have for us um, after Luchadora is over? <laughs> yeah, after Luchadora, uh, I believe it'll be. This is a somewhat busy spring, so after Luchadora is finished. Um, uh, pretty much a month later, I go into rehearsals for the play that I wrote, uh, Prima Donna, uh, that, that'll be done at CatCo. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that show being being explored and mining those characters. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, After that, I think at some point in April, one of my plays is being done um, by Earlham University in Indiana. Uh, in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... So I'll drive, I'll miss a, a rehearsal for Prima Donna to go drive out to Indiana <laughs> to go see that. Yeah. Uh, so, and I think after after those are done, then it's time to write mm-hmm. the, the couple of plays that are in my brain right now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. one, I'm not quite sure what it is, but the main question is, is the world getting better or worse? <laughs> that's that's the so it's a small question yeah it's a so small themes but but imagine it as a comedy so a family comedy about is the world getting better and what happens to the next generation and what are you passing on and mm-hmm. um and then also i'm working on a for myself uh, uh adaptation of the sorcerer's apprentice sort of like a a sequel to the sorcerer's apprentice of and it's it's really about generational trauma. That's what that one's about. Yeah, also a small <laughs> but imagine, you know, consideration. Yeah, <laughs> but imagine that for written for young young children and their families. But mm-hmm. it's but that's what it's about. It's about generational trauma and healing from trauma and mm-hmm. um, not passing that trauma down. So, right, right. like I said, it <laughs> it's it's the questions that are activating these plays. And even if the story is isn't quite. Um, may not reflect how how big the questions are. It, it's just really they're baked into mm-hmm. they're baked into the stories. So okay, great, uh, Chris. Gracias por esta conversación. Please come see us at the Columbus Performing Arts in Columbus, Ohio, February seventeenth through March sixth of twenty twenty two. Visit Catco's website for more details. Are at www.catco.org. A todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima. Sí.